God, Holy Spirit, come to us and come among us. Come as the fire, as the wind and cleanse. Come as the fire and burn. Come as the dew and refresh. Convict, convert, and consecrate many hearts and lives to our great good and your greater glory. Amen. So according to the Bible, there are two kinds of death. Two kinds of death. The first kind of death is the one that we are most familiar with. The first kind of death is literal, having to do with the end of, the, of consciousness in the body. It's the subject of obituaries and funerals. We'll call this type of death being dead, dead, okay? So from now on, when we talk about this type of death, it'll be dead, dead. But there's also another kind of death. It's a death that can't be seen with the eyes, one that can't be quantified or medically measured. But it's just as serious, just as destructive as the first. I, you know, I usually get hecklers, but, you know. <laughs> so our passage from Ezekiel this whoop, our passage from Ezekiel this morning not only deals with the former kind of death, dead dead, it deals with another kind of death altogether as well. So Ezekiel is a priest in the 5th century BC, and in Ezekiel's time the Babylonian empire rampaged through the Middle East, steamrolling every other smaller nation in their path, Israel, God's people included. Israel's armies were crushed, their people were murdered, enslaved, and many taken into exile. And Ezekiel warned that this would happen from the beginning, and unfortunately, he was right. And he, along with so many of his fellow citizens, was taken into captive, into exile in Babylon. These people knew what death was all about. And Ezekiel is known as a kind of mystical kind of person, prone to trances and visions. Here he's taken up, it says, taken up in the spirit of the Lord. He's given a vision, one where God takes him and plunks him right beside the Euphrates River in Babylon. It's a valley filled with piles and piles and piles of human bones without flesh, dried by time and the hot sun. God takes Ezekiel for a walk through the boneyard, and soon we realize these are the remnants of Israel's army that tried to stop the Babylonians, crushed and destroyed by the Babylonians, killed or left for dead. It's a gruesome scene. If you look up the, if you do a Google image search, you will be disturbed. But rarely does the Bible tell us when it's being metaphorical or not. It doesn't usually say, now, what I'm about to do is give you a metaphor for something. Usually it does it. But here, God does exactly that. Here we get God, of all people, saying, mortal, 
these bones aren't literally bones. These are the bones of the whole house of Israel. All of them, not just the army here. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. The boneyard, God says, isn't just a pile of skeletons. The boneyard is a symbol for the spiritual state of God's people, Israel. The bones are all about, about his people's crushed souls. So there's one kind of dead, physically dead, biologically unresponsive, dead, dead. But there's this other kind of dead too. The death of the soul, the living center of the person, to be alive physically, but to be dead spiritually. That's what the boneyard is all about. There's dead dead, but there's also living dead living dead, with a pulse, but without hope. Now, you don't have to be the victim of a horrific invasion, war, or exile to know what this is all about, although I'm sure that our refugee family that's awaiting to come to Canada knows exactly what this text is all about. Sometimes it comes like Ezekiel out of a deep tragedy, but for most of us, living dead is a lot more ordinary than that. I remember hearing about one guy who's famous for what's called proximity flying. Does anybody know what that is, proximity flying? I didn't know about it before this either, which is where you basically wear a suit that makes you look like a flying squirrel, and you jump off cliffs or out of airplanes. Extreme, it's an extreme sport. Super popular, apparently, on the internet, or YouTube, at least. But this one guy, despite the fact that he's had several friends die doing this, he continues to do it. He says, it gives you this rush. And that rush makes you feel like you're alive and free. And the happiness in that moment makes you think, well, I don't mind if I don't have any more days of life left, because what I just did It was so good, I could die right now. Longing so deeply for life, willing to die for it. I heard that and I immediately thought, this guy wants out of the boneyard. And he puts on the little flying squirrel suit, you know, to try to fly his way out of it. He gets a glimpse over the edge, so he just keeps doing it over and over again. He wants out, but he just can't generate the lift to escape. He can only just see over the edge. He wants to feel alive because most of the time, he doesn't. But he just keeps trying and trying and trying. Now, a few of us, proximity flying, you know, we're not, I mean, it may be an unusual way to try to do it, to try to get out of the boneyard. But this guy points to something dead in each of us. Some of us are gripped by fear or anxiety for the future, 
a fear of losing our jobs, a fear of growing old. Some of us, a sense of instability, an emptiness, or a deep longing that goes unfulfilled, or even a lack of motivation and a sense of meaningless, a lack of purpose in life, a sense that the story is closed, the future is buried in the ground, or there is no story to life at all. We have our own boneyards. We have our own dry bones, our valleys of spiritual death. No future, no way out. But we long to live, to be alive, wanting to be fully alive. But we end up living dead instead. Living dead instead. But... According to our passage from Ezekiel, there isn't an easy cure for this. It's not the kind of cure we might imagine, like an activity we can do, you know, get on the old you know, bicycle again, or a pill we can take. But according to Ezekiel, the only way out of the valley of the shadow of death is to be delivered from the outside. From the outside in, and then out again. After God shows Ezekiel the dry bones, he tells Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones, to speak the message of God to them, speak the message of hope. And Ezekiel does what he's told. The ground shakes, you know. The bones rattle, you know, then clack, clack, clack. They fit back right together like tinker toys. And then flesh grows over each skeleton, but they're still lifeless. They're just bodies. So God says, prophesy to the four winds of the earth. Speak the message of God to the winds. He does, and all four corners of the earth, they blow and they fill the lifeless bodies with life. Here's a reference to the second passage, a chapter of Genesis, the first book of the Bible where God creates the human being out of clay and then breathes life into it. The same Hebrew word is for wind, breath, and spirit. Wind, breath, and spirit. That same spark of life at creation reignites the fallen bodies of the boneyard, and now the live, the live dead are simply alive again. Ezekiel says that the cure for the living dead, for spiritual death, is nothing less than being filled by and being united with God's own spirit. And this is what we talk about when we talk about the Holy Spirit. One of my favorite theologians, Jürgen Moltmann, you know, he's probably on all your shelves, right? His conversion to Christianity came while serving prison time as a German POW in England during the Second World War. I mean, if there's a boneyard, that's one of them. And he describes the work of the Spirit like this. The gift, he says, the gift and the presence of the Holy Spirit is the greatest and most wonderful thing we can experience. We ourselves. We ourselves, the human community, all living things and this earth. 
For with the Holy Spirit is not just one random spirit that is present. It is God himself, the creative and life-giving, redeeming and saving God. Where the Holy Spirit is present, God is present in a special way. And we experience God through our lives, which become holy living from within. We experience whole, full, healed, and redeemed life. Experience it with all of our senses. We feel, we taste, and we touch and see our life in God. And God in our life. End quote. The only cure for living dead is the very life of the Creator, the very presence of God Himself, active in and through our lives. The power that gives life to creation to our bodies, the same power that hung the stars in the sky, the divine electricity that fueled the Big Bang and kindles the universe's many suns, the breath that sparked the first human consciousness, this life at the heart of all things is also the power we experience in the renewal of our souls. That power, since the beginning of time, in and through us, that's what we're celebrating today. Today, the day of Pentecost, the day where the same spirit of life, the power of new creation, touched down and plugged in to the hearts of Jesus' followers, resurrecting and rejuvenating those who were formerly a collection of dry bones into one unified, living, breathing body of Christ together, and shoving them out into the world as conduits for that same message and vessels for this same spirit in every language under the sun. That's why we gather today. Today we gather as a community of faith who have had a taste of this new life in the midst of a world that seems so captive to death. As individuals who have been pulled out of our graves and as a community that was struck down a decade ago, demoralized, now experiencing new life and growth. Proven by those who are giving themselves over to God's spirit through membership and baptism today. We come to open ourselves to one another and to God, to shake off the life-stultifying power of death and be clothed in the flesh and bone of loving community, and to share in the same rich, full life, the same spirit that makes all things new, bringing healing, bringing courage, bringing hope. We're here to celebrate the fact that the fire of divine life, not the cold impersonality of death, burns hot at the center of all things. And we not only long for this life, this fire, but this life longs for us, as much if not more so, and will come to live in us forever, if we let her do it. So friends, Brothers and sisters in Christ, long-time and future disciples of Jesus, skeptics, agnostics, atheists, and true believers, those of you who have been struck alive by holy passion and those of you who have been turned to dust by religious condemnation, members, non-members, and the soon-to-be-baptized, 
all of you who long to live life to its full. Hear the word of the Lord from Ezekiel. Ezekiel says, God says, I am going to open your graves. Bring you out of your graves, says the Lord. I'm going to bring you back home where you belong, and I'll put my spirit, my breath within you, and you shall live. And then you will know that I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. There are two kinds of spiritual death. Oh, no, wait. There are two kinds of death. But there's only one kind of living. There's no other substitute, no other true cure for spiritual death other than the fire, the wind, the breath, the very presence of the living creator. This is what transforms us from the living dead into the image of Jesus, the glory of God, fully alive. That's what Pentecost is all about. So hear the word. Receive the Spirit, and you shall live. Amen.